Well, hey, Kairos. My name is Haley Shepherds, and I am the pastoral intern here at Kairos, and I also get to be part of Help Ames. So I just want to give you a whole, a whole warm welcome. We had an awesome volunteers today. We also had awesome announcers. So I'm just excited to be here. Uh, I want to welcome those of you who are watching online and those of you who are in Iowa City. Uh, I saw some texts that some of you are watching online, so we're really excited to have you here as well. But we are excited also to jump into a new series here at Kairos. We have been in the Jesus Went series for weeks, and now we're moving to this new series called Before and After. We're diving into what it means after the resurrection. We're coming off of Easter weekend, and it's really easy for us to make these comparisons, what our life was like before we knew Jesus and after we knew Christ, and after Christ resided in our hearts. It's really natural for us as human beings to make these comparisons. I mean, how do we not see our growth if we don't track our growth? And so oftentimes we, we enjoy these comparisons, but oftentimes these comparisons can be a little bit damaging. But one way we can all come together and embrace the way we were before and the way we were after is through memes. Maybe in the pandemic, since we've been online, you've seen a lot of these memes. Maybe memes like this. SpongeBob wondering if he has to go to work and then realizing that his bank account is empty and that he has no other option. If you've ever been there, raise your hand. I know I have been. Yep, I see a lot of hands. We have this next before and after. We see, oh yeah, a free two-week trial. But then we forget about the after, the fact that we have to cancel that free trial. Six months later, our credit card charges go up. Has anyone else been there? Am I the only one? No, I see a couple hands. <laughs> we also have, this is one of my favorites, we have Dwayne The Rock Johnson representing a teacher. We see this teacher challenges us. Isn't this some, isn't some paper that you can just write the night before? But then we have ourselves with Dwayne The Rock Johnson in a just bring it cut off t-shirt. And that's us. We submit that thing at 11.59. If not everyone's hand is up at this point, I'm going to be surprised. If you've survived college without this moment, congratulations, you are rare. We also have this last one, which is maybe what you're feeling if you're a senior. <laughs> this was your freshman year, it was great. No pandemic, it was so much fun. And then we're now faced with this pandemic senior year and things are getting a little rough. We have these before and after moments in our lives and they help us see how our lives have changed, how we've changed. You saw that girl in our, our series video as she grows up, we see her change right before our eyes. But I want to challenge us to look at why we make these comparisons. Why is it so important for us to see the before and get to an after? Sometimes we make it a game of progress. How far can we make it? If we start in one place and we want to end in another, how do we get there? One way we do that is by tracking it. Maybe you start tracking you know, how much money you can save, and that's how we're going to see our progress. Maybe you have all these things called books that you haven't opened all semester, and you realize, yeah, I haven't made much progress. Or maybe for you, it's how much water you can drink. I try to drink a gallon a day and almost never make it to the end. Otherwise, there's another way that we can track. Maybe it's a scale. Maybe you're tracking the way your body is constantly changing. There's so many ways for us to track this progress, to see how we have changed. But I want us to challenge that. The problem with this comparison, this before and after, is it's easy to make this evaluation, this progress, our value. The way we evaluate ourselves can easily become our value when we make it a before and we make it after. 
Where were we before compared to where we are now? Who we are then and who we want to be. There's always going to be a new point after. When we finally get to that after place we want to be, there's always somewhere further that we can go. The expectations, the desires, the pressures to constantly perform can be exhausting. The pressures to constantly see progress. I know that you guys can see when you take your tests where you fall in line with the class. That's the worst. We see this progress and we see in this series, we see in scripture, what Jesus wants to do about it. Hear me when I say this. Progress does not make a person. The only time that we can define who we are is in the person of Christ. So Jesus takes this, this line that we put ourselves on, the before and after, the where we are, where we want to be, and Jesus just breaks it. We see that instead, Jesus says, follow me. It's not about the progress we make, but about the person Jesus is. Oftentimes, we can't reach perfection. We can try, but Jesus becomes this perfection for us, the perfection that we cannot reach. And Jesus says, I don't want you to find yourself on the line, but I want you to fill your life with me. Let me be the center of your life. That's where this process of faith comes. It's not always about progress. Don't get me wrong, your life will be changed. You will see an experience and after when you know Christ. But when we try to make that after what we do, what we do to reach perfection, what we do to be in the presence of God, we fail. And so Christ says, no, look, this, this moment, the moment that I had where I died, died on this cross for your sins so you wouldn't have to keep striving for perfection you could trust in me, the person I am. So what are the after effects of this moment? Jesus' victory and death over sin promises to make a difference in our lives. We get to live permanently in the after. And what does that look like? We are no longer sitting on this spectrum from here to there. We can rest in the after effects. And that's what tonight's talk is going to be about, is these after effects. Now, when I think of after effects, I want you to think of aftershocks. Because of the resurrection, we see wave after wave of forgiveness, of hope, of peace, of love. And those after effects impact us and change us from the inside out. And so we're invited to accept this invitation to receive, to live in the after effects of Christ's resurrection. It can make the biggest difference in our lives. And Christ just crushes all of these metrics that we use to define our own worth. Now, Jesus says, you know, you're not the before and after, but I'm the beginning and end. So you don't have to put yourself there. We read in Revelation chapter one, verse eight, that Jesus is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And the Lord God says this, on the next slide here. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Jesus is our beginning and end, the before and after. And he is the one who, who always was and always will be. We get to celebrate that. We are no longer judged on our progress, but what Christ has already done and who Christ already is. 
We can be so trapped in striving for personal change that becomes our cross, not Jesus's. But I want us to, to see that this personal progress doesn't always have to be bad, but it is when we make it our God. Sometimes we get so caught up in changing, improving, uh, that we are a new person, we're a good person, we're better, more faithful, that we forget the faithfulness of Christ. We forget why we're here. And so we see this transformation in one of Jesus' disciples. We talked about Peter last week, and we're going to continue Peter's story. Sure, Peter experiences a transformation, but I want us to look at Peter from the beginning. Jesus is now on his way to the cross with Peter in this story, and all the disciples had deserted Jesus at this point, but Peter hasn't completely yet. Jesus has been arrested, and and Peter decides to stand in the middle. I haven't fully rejected Jesus, but I'm going to get really close, but just try not to get recognized. I don't want the guards to see that I know Jesus, because then I too will be killed. So Peter makes the mistake of trying to fit in this line. God, I'm going to try to be faithful to you, but only faithful until it means death. And so we read this, that Peter moves forward, and And the guard recognizes him. And Peter denies Jesus. In that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the words words flashed through Peter's head. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. You will say that you don't even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. I can see myself and Peter in this moment trying to stand in the middle ground, trying to be the faithful one, and realizing it's not about my faithfulness, but about Christ's. That look that God gave Peter, I can't imagine what Peter felt in that moment. But we get to see that there's more to the story. Peter probably thinks that, you know, I only got one shot to make this happen. I have failed my progress goals. I have rejected Jesus. We see on this next slide, it ends up looking a lot like this. And if no one knows who this is, I promise this is the last meme I will put up in here all night. But we oftentimes think that, you know, if we miss the mark, if we deny Jesus, if we sin, that's our only shot. That's what Peter's probably thinking in this moment. I denied Jesus, and I had one shot, and I blew it. So Peter sins against Jesus, and this sin means to to miss the mark. That's what sin is. Peter misses his target. Heck, Peter probably just missed the entire target itself. He didn't even make it on the board. That's the thing about sin, is our misses don't hit the target, they land on the cross. And Jesus took that cross and he nailed himself to it. Along with all of your sin, he took it to the grave. So Peter, who made this grand promise to Jesus, Oh, I won't sin against you, Jesus. I will never deny you. In fact, I'll die with you, is what Peter says. These are Peter's words. Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. And Peter's so quick to just bail. It's when things get hard. But Jesus looks at Peter and understands God has compassion, even in the midst of our sin, and even when our sin is the reason that Jesus goes to the cross. There's this old saying that my word is my bond. And that was Peter's bond. He said these things. 
and that bond failed. It's important for us to remember that when our words and actions are our own and we make these promises and they fail, they're gonna cause us a lot of hurt if we're relying on our words and actions to make that progress, to be who we wanna be. And so Jesus, the word of God, is the only unbreakable bond that is trustworthy. Peter vowed to die with Jesus, but Peter runs from death and denies Jesus three times, and Jesus walks into death, unashamed, unafraid, even though Jesus is innocent. Jesus rises from the dead so that God's people would no longer run away from him, but run to him, just like Peter did in this courtyard. So faith is not about our personal progress. Instead, it shows us how much this faith is an internal process. We see that God doesn't give up on God's people. Jesus is with Peter from the beginning to the end. We are no longer bound to our word when Christ is the center of our life, but God invites us to trust that God doesn't make empty promises like Peter and like ourselves. He has given you his word. You can trust him, you can stand on this word. After all, his word is his bond. We read this in Isaiah 55. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. It will prosper everywhere I send it. There's no word that God sends out that doesn't land, that doesn't change our hearts, that we can't receive, that won't prosper. Sure, our words and our promises may fall short, but that's why we can look to the cross. And so, we see that right here that God's word is sent to us. But too often times we treat ourselves like a car that never leaves the body shop. Like we're always in need of fixing. Like there's nothing with inside of us that can prosper. Instead, we just continue to be broken. Now I'm no mechanic, but when it comes to understanding humans, Jesus is the best roadside assistance. And he's not gonna leave us hanging because he is the word of God. The word of God comes to us so that we can prosper. Confession is kind of this process of us admitting that we're in need of fixing. Sometimes we make confession so much scarier than it needs to be, it's this big church word. But it's simple, recognizing our need for maintenance, recognizing that we cannot stand on this line and make ourselves prosper. Instead, we look to the word of God We need the maintenance of grace. That's where healing comes. Only then can we experience the safety, the comfort. And sometimes we think we're too broken, we're unfixable. But Jesus says this um, in Luke chapter five. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Are you in need of fixing? Sometimes we think we're broken beyond repair, but too often it's not that we are a problem that needs to be fixed, but a person in need of forgiveness. And that's what Jesus offers. So in order to see this change, we have to look first to before. So we're gonna jump back and see Jesus' first interaction with Peter We see Peter change, but how did Peter start? 
We see that Jesus is constant. We read this in Luke 5, just before this. Jesus was preaching to crowds. He was looking for disciples. He was off the shores of Galilee and he noticed two empty boats. He borrowed one of the boats and he asked Peter, the guy we're following, to push it out of the water. And Jesus sat there and taught. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Peter, now go where it is deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. Now Jesus calls us into places that are deeper, sometimes deeper than we're willing to go. Calls us away from hard work. Peter, who's also called Simon, says this, we worked so hard last night, we didn't catch a thing, Jesus. So what is Jesus gonna do about it? We see that this progress is on the surface. Peter has nothing to show for. He has no fish, nothing's catching, he's got an empty net. But Jesus has a word for him. You read this on this next slide. Jesus tells Peter to go ahead and cast the nets off the side of the boat. And I love Peter's response to this. We make faith so complicated, but here Peter, even in the beginning of his ministry, following Jesus, and he doesn't even know he's following Jesus yet, he's still trying to figure out who Jesus is. He says, Jesus, if you say so, Sometimes that's all faith is, it's just trusting that God's words come true. If you say so, Jesus. Sure, I feel like there's no way out of this, but I'm gonna trust you. I may feel down and like I'm not worthy, but you tell me I'm worthy. If you say so, Jesus. So Peter agrees. All right, Jesus, whatever you say, I'll give it another shot, but you're crazy. And to Peter's surprise, He's over, overwhelmed. There's so many fish that Peter can't even keep up. He has to call out for help to even get the fish on the boat. Peter was amazed. The nets began to break. And then finally, Peter sees Jesus for who he is. The word of God who keeps God's promises. And so when Simon Peter realized what was happening, he fell to his knees he said, oh, Jesus, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Before, Peter was the one who left Jesus. Now Peter is the person in the beginning of this story who's saying, Jesus, leave me. I can't be around you. This is too good for me. But we have so much potential, not because of who we are, but because of who God is. God is this living water who provides this abundance of fish who doesn't leave us hungry but completely satisfies us. At some point, our progress and our goals are gonna leave us empty or we're gonna keep striving for the next after and then finally we're gonna say, do you say so, Jesus? I trust that my progress isn't important but the promises you give to me are. So, Peter, admits that he's this sinful man, and yet Jesus calls him to follow him. It's so easy for us to believe that we don't deserve it, or if it's really worth it if, you know, I can't earn it. But Jesus, I have nothing to show but empty nets. That's where Peter is in the story. What are the if-onlys of your life 
that keep you from experiencing this unchanging presence of God, from receiving the after effects of Jesus' resurrection. If only I could escape my sin, maybe, or if only my before and after pictures showed progress, if only I had something to offer you, God, if only I could go back, I could do it over again, then maybe you wouldn't see all the shame I feel all the guilt I carry for not being what I expected for myself from letting people down. But Jesus, Jesus shows up. It's, I'm sure if you've, you've been around college, when you go home, you talk to your family members. And I'm sure they have a lot of if-onlys as well. I feel like we all and every single one of our families have that one family member who always says, you know, if only I was still in college, only I was still young again. You roll your eyes and you're like, yeah, we get it. <laughs> well, that person for me is my dad. <laughs> He's right here on this next screen. And my dad loves to tell me college stories. My dad was a football player for the University of Nebraska. Go Big Red. We got like one. We have one person and I'm so excited. <laughs> so he was a football player, but he was also in a fraternity as well. He wouldn't let me name the fraternity, and you'll see why because of this story. But my dad was in a fraternity, and they oftentimes got into a lot of trouble. He's a pretty competitive guy, and so him and a couple of fraternity brothers decided to go purchase balloons. Uh, they purchased chocolate syrup, and they purchased a, like a balloon launcher, of all things. And so I'm sure you probably know where the story is going but they got on top of uh, the top of their fraternity house, um, and they were always at war with the fraternity across their lawn. So they decided to load up these water balloons with chocolate syrup um, and launch them from the, their roof of their fraternity house over across to this enemy fraternity to get back at them for something. What they didn't realize was that the third-story window was open. They thought that the shutters were actually a closed window, and so when they launched that balloon, that balloon broke right through the third-story floor sh shutters, exploded everywhere, and about $3,000 in damage later, they got in trouble and they couldn't do that anymore. They had to pay for that. Now my dad, later in life, he does the exact opposite. Instead of you know, causing property damage, my dad ended up being an insurance agent. He protects people from property damage. It's quite the shift. And he would absolutely, undoubtedly tell you it's because of Jesus. He's still the funny, competitive, outgoing guy, but Jesus repurposes his passions for his own purpose, to help people. He's no longer doing damage, but he's transformed. We see Jesus do the same exact thing with Peter right here in this story. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they have brought their boats to land and left everything, they followed him. We see Jesus repurpose Peter's passions. He doesn't make Peter chase progress, but says, whatever you give me, I can use for my purpose, for my people. So it's not about our personality that has to change. But what happens when Christ is at the center of our life? We see that Jesus' victory, the resurrection, those after effects, they make a difference. 
They made a difference in my dad's life. They made a difference in Peter's life. Makes a difference in your life. You're not stuck in the before. You can find peace in the after. After Jesus finishes his earthly mission, he ascends to heaven, but not without some promises. Jesus promises Peter and his disciples the Holy Spirit for all who believe. Peter moves from just maintaining, from maintenance, from being a sinner who needs fixed, to now leading a church. He moved from maintenance to mission. The same is for us in this place of the after effects of who Jesus is. Now Peter, who's leading this church, is doing exactly what Jesus was doing. He's preaching and teaching. He's carrying on God's mission. And he arrives at the gates before the temple and there's a man there, a man who has been begging for money his entire life, who can't walk. And we see Peter look down on this man probably in the same way Jesus looks down at Peter, the same way that Jesus looks down at you and says, I have healing. I can fix that. Sin, I can take that to the grave. Follow me. And this beggar, this man, fixes his eyes on Peter. Because Peter says, look at me. Look at me and see Jesus. Now this beggar doesn't see Jesus and Peter right away. He expects something, maybe money. Peter says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do give to you is in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. This is the same work that Christ had already done. And Peter's now doing it. But what I love about this story is that man is not healed right away. Instead, Peter and the disciples lift him up. They carry him. And as they lift him up, his ankles become stronger. His body starts to heal. And they all walk together into the temple, worshiping God. This man praises God. He no longer sees Peter, but the miracle of the work of the cross, the work of Jesus. And that's offered for you. I don't know who you came with. We all walked into this place of worship together to experience this good news. That's not about who we should be, but who we could be. Who we can be knowing Christ. Knowing what Christ has done. The after effects of the resurrection that are greater than we could ever know. And we get to receive that. There's no before or after. There's just now and forever. God promises to love you, to care for you, to heal you. And we get to lift one another up and carry one another to worship. So let's do that right now. Let's stand and worship.